Today, we are continuing this series called Blessed, and, and I love what God is doing in my heart through this series and, and how he's changing our lives through his word. And I've loved the first two weeks, and we're going to co- continue today along this theme, Blessed. And over the first two weeks, we've really focused on, on things that are external. We focused on actions, on doing good deeds. And I think they're so important. Week one, we talked about serving and, and how God has called us. We're blessed to be a blessing, not just to show off the blessings, but to let blessings flow through us. Last week, we continued with this, this area of discipleship in our life, but we're blessed to give. We're blessed to serve. And I was really convicted as I thought about the first two weeks and, and I almost want to take a step back. This probably should have been week one of this series, but I think it'll be powerful today for us as well. Because I think so often when you look at the teachings of Jesus, he looked at, he looked at Pharisees and different ones, religious leaders, and so often they had things right on the outside. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's easy to have things right on the outside, but my inside be a hot mess. And Jesus spoke pretty, pretty sternly oftentimes to, to religious leaders, people that knew, that knew God's word that knew the truth, and they had it looking good on the outside, but their hearts were, were far away from God. And I think we need to understand this today, is that we can do good, but if we do good with the wrong heart, it's no good. You hear me this morning? We could do good, but when we do good with the wrong heart, it's no good. And, and that's the way Jesus communicated. He said, man, you, you spend so much time cleaning the outside of the cup, but the inside, it's looking pretty trashy. So why don't you clean the inside of the cup? And I think today we're going to dive in and, and look at what God's word says about our hearts. And I've titled this message, Heart Check. Heart Check. You know, the Bible says this, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? I mean, the, our, our heart, if we're not careful, will mess us up. And we need to understand this morning. That God's greatest desire in our life is not behavior modification. All right, God didn't send his son Jesus just so that we would be good people and have good values and good morals. God sent his son Jesus to change our hearts, to change our lives from the inside out. And, and here's the deal is that blessings are, a lot, are, are so connected to our heart. Blessings are oftentimes, they're like blood in our body. Listen, blood is good in your body as long as your heart is pumping. But, 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 but blood doesn't do, do a whole lot of good if, if it's not flowing through the heart. And oftentimes, the reason we're dealing with the circumstances and situations we are on the outside is not because of what's going on, on the outside. It's really because of what's blocked on the inside. And so here's the question I have for you today. Just me, you, sitting around in the living room talking and, and asking this question. How's your heart? How's your heart? I mean, I know you made it to church today. You got the kids here. Your family's uh, dressed. You're color-coordinated. You're looking good. You're feeling good. But how's your heart? Are you, in, are you really in love with Jesus? D- did you wake up this morning knowing that God had a plan and a purpose for your life and you're passionate about where your life is headed? Or have the situations and circumstances and frustrations of your life so blocked up the deep areas of your life that you're just a facade on the outside? You're just going through some motions, but deep down inside, man, man, things aren't flowing the way they should. 
How's your heart? Jesus spends so much time talking about our heart, and today I want to just dive in and help us understand the connection between blessings and living a blessed life in our heart. Matthew chapter 5. It's one of the greatest teachings in all the Bible, probably the greatest sermon that Jesus ever taught. He's right here on this hillside. We call the, the sermon the Beatitudes. And it's all about, if you want to understand blessings in your life, all you got to do is look at Matthew chapter 5, because Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 5 of what it looks like to live the blessed life. And you would think that this sermon would be all about, as Jesus is talking about blessings, all about, oh man, if it, you know, being rich and having favor and having a great job and, and, and all the good things that we uh, aspire to in this life. But Jesus starts this teaching and he, he turns blessings on their head and he says this, blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. And then he gets to verse eight and he says this, we'll focus on this today. He says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in what everybody? Come on, everybody say it. Blessed are the pure in blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. More than anything, let me tell you this, Jesus wants our hearts. And, and here's the difficult thing is, is, is wouldn't it be great if we could just come in this morning, surrender our heart to God, and it just stay that way? You know, like, you remember, you remember back in the day before there was Netflix and we just got to on-demand TV? You know when you'd come home on Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon and sports was slow, you're like in between seasons, and all there was was infomercials on TV? Oh, man. And remember the days where you would actually get sucked into watching those infomercials? And you would think, dear God, 30 minutes just went by, and, and, and I'm still watching this guy selling a, a, a vacuum. You know what I'm saying? I mean... You've been there. And there was, there was this one, one infomercial. Oh, you'll remember it as soon as I say it. The guy, Ron, that would sell the machine that would perfectly cook rotisserie chickens. And he had a key line that was the hook. Some of you bought the Ronco because of the key line. And you would watch this guy for a long time because over and over you thought, man, this guy's obnoxious because all you've got to do is you've got to put the, the turkey in the machine. It's as simple as that. You just said it, and Come on, you just said it, and And then and he would say it over and over. Wouldn't it be amazing if that's the way our heart worked? <laughs> said it and forget it. I mean, God, it is yours. Here's the problem is we said it on Sunday morning, but then we drive out of here and we're like, you know what? I need a couple things from Walmart. And that does you in right there. You know what I'm saying? That does you in right there. <laughs> all it, all, listen, all it takes is 10 minutes in Wally World and everything you wanted and, and desired from Jesus. Just, I mean, your life just turns into hell right there, you know? And, and, and so often our lives are that way and our heart is that way as we said it, but, but, but our heart turns toward the world so quickly. Let me ask you, what, what is it in your life that sets your heart off? Maybe, maybe it's your passion for social justice issues. Maybe it's the cares of life or, or uh, getting a bad report from the doctor. Or maybe that coworker that you work with that causes so much frustration in your day. Maybe from time to time, man, you could be having a great day, but your kids just have a way of setting you off. 
any parents in the room. Okay, it's just Jen and me, all right? It's just me. Like this week, everybody, I was having an amazing day. Jen was going to the doctor, and she was running late. She called and said, hey, can you pick up the kids? Sure, I can pick up the kids. I drove into the car line. I waited for a while, got to where the boys were. My boys are standing at, uh, you know, the car line by the cone waiting. I see them. They see me. Well, they learned something bad in school that day. Actually, they had a friend that probably shouldn't have been hanging out with that taught them what it means to, to give, shoot somebody the bird, all right? Well, they realized that was wrong. But they thought, you know what, we could just kind of have some fun and just shoot dad the second finger. I'm not kidding, everybody. I'm sitting in the car line parked. I look over. There's my kids. There's my kid's teacher. There's the assistant principal of the school. I'm the pastor of the church. She sees me. She sees my kids. And she sees my kids just smiling, having fun. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Listen. I was having a great day. I was in love with Jesus. There was some worship music going on. The worship music went off. All hell broke loose in that car. Listen. 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 You're the pastor's kids. Your last name is Moore. We're not shooting anybody birds with any finger. I'm glad you can relate. You've been there. And the truth is, man, our hearts are so messy. They're so deceitful. They want what's right. They want to do good. But all it takes is one situation that takes us from being in love and passionate and singing about the reckless love of God and then reminding somebody else they're number one on Bruce B. Downs, you know? I mean, it's just... And I think there's three ways that, that oftentimes, man, our hearts can mess us up. Three things that attack our hearts. Let me give them to you if you're taking notes. Number one is this. It's doubt. I I think this is one of the biggest things that attacks our heart and keeps us from from being tender and being passionate and consistently in love with Jesus. And I think one of the reasons doubt is such a big one is because, let's be real this morning, we've got trust issues. All right? We, 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 I mean, I know we do. I've got trust issues. We, we've all got trust issues. For many of us, one of the reasons doubt is such a big deal in our life is because we've been hurt so many times. For some of us in the room, you, you've made a decision. I can't love them after what they've done to me. I'll never be able to love them again. I'll never be able to get over the pain. For some of us, we know that trusting God is uncomfortable And we would just rather stay comfortable doing it our way, even if it means us being miserable, than trusting God with what's uncomfortable. You look at the Bible over and over and over again. Look at Abraham. God says to Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. Then he says, I need you to go sacrifice your son. What are you talking about, God? I mean, I believe you're going to, I love the promises about you making me great, but I I I don't like you asking me to do something that's way outside my comfort zone. You know, you look at these situations. It's not that, Abraham, it's not that God wanted Abraham's son. He just want, he wanted Abraham's heart. He gets him to the altar. He, he provides a lamb in the bushes. And he reminds Abraham, I've got a plan for your life. I just want to know, are you willing to go all the way with me? For some of us in the room, the, the, the situation, the frustration you're in, it might be God saying, hey, are you willing to go all the way with me? 
Are you willing to trust me with your heart even when everything doesn't work out the way you thought it would? Come on, it's getting quiet in here, but I'm preaching good this morning. Where, where are you at today? Where's the doubt in your life? Maybe it's your uncomfortable, or maybe for some of us, we can't see the end result. And so we're even afraid to take a next step because of where it will lead or how it will end up. You know, I've heard it said about the, the animal, the impala. The, the impala can jump 30 feet, leap 30 feet far, 10 feet high. But all it takes in a zoo is a three-foot wall, and impala will never jump over it. Be, because the animal will never, the impala, for whatever reason, will never jump to any place that it can't see. And for some of us in our life, it's a picture of the doubt that has overtaken us. God has something that's so good and so perfect. And all he's, all he's asking is, are you willing to, to, to make a leap, to jump a little bit, to trust me, to not live in doubt? But, but, but letting doubt creep into our heart, man. You know, James says it like this. The man who doubts, he's, he's like a wave that's just tossed by the wind to and fro. That there's no steadiness, there's no strength to him. You're just, you're just moved by every wind. But look what Isaiah says in 26. He says, people with their mindset on you, you keep completely whole, steady on their feet because they keep at it and don't quit. Depend on God and keep at it because in the Lord God, you have a sure thing. Let's not live in doubt. Let's not our hearts be, hearts be overcome by doubt. The second thing is this, is Distractions. Doubt and then distractions. I love the quote by Pastor John Ortberg. He says this. He says, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. You hear me today, church? What a powerful word. It's not that we're going to renounce our faith. It's just that we'll be so comfortable and convenient that we'll never live a faith that actually makes a big difference for God. We'll just live mediocre lives. We'll just be overcome by distractions and preoccupations and uh, uh, things that, that fill our life but don't lead us to where God wants us to go. I think for some of us, it's the pace of life. We're, we're, running, we're running at a pace that we can't sustain. For other, others of us, it's possessions. We like shiny things. We like, we're so, we're like my boys. Dad, can we download a new iPad game? Well, boys, we just downloaded a new iPad game yesterday. I know, but it's a new day. We want a new game, you know? And we're, we're always consumed by what's next and what's new. I think one of the biggest distractions for many of us is approval. We are so consumed with what people think. We're not heading, and our hearts aren't sensitive to where God is leading us because we're too worried about what people think about us. And we're chasing after the approval of man instead of the one who designed us uniquely to make a difference and be used by God. Is that it for you today? You know, I love the, the story in 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'll share a verse in just a second from it. But if you're not familiar with the story, it, it, it's, it's a time in history where God established kings. And, and of course, the first king of, of Israel's history was King Saul. And 
the prophet at the time, Samuel, God calls Samuel out and says, hey, I've got a new king for Israel. I need you to go find the new king. And he tells him to go to Jesse's house. And and Samuel shows up at Jesse's house. And every time I picture this story, because when he shows up at Jesse's house, I, I just picture this, he's got his boys all lined up in the living room, you know, tallest to shortest. And, and every time I think about this story, uh, I think about what it was like as a kid, you know, playing pickup basketball. I, uh, I don't know if, if you played sports growing up or not, but I, and I wasn't a, a great athlete, but I loved basketball as a kid. And I remember as an 11, 12-year-old, man, I, w- I was an overweight kid. I, was, I loved sports, but I was not athletic. You know, I was the kid that my mom had to go to the Husky section, you know, to buy us clothes. Yes, that's right. Have a little sympathy for me. <laughs> by, by the way, whoever thought that would be a good idea for a 12-year-old to have him go buy his clothes in the Husky section? What size do you wear? I wear 12 Husky. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I I have some uh, insecurity issues. That's all right, we're moving on. And I remember, you know, I I love playing the game, but there was that painful part before you started the game where you all stand in a line, you'd pick a couple captains, and you'd just be standing there praying, oh God, don't let me be the last one picked. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and then you look across, and you're like, man, there's no way I'm gonna be first because there's the tallest kid. Well, you always want the tall kid on your basketball team. And then you had the kid that could dribble like crazy and shoot, and you knew he was going to be first. And then, and then you looked down, and there was the kid that his parents had money, so he wasn't that good. He just wore a Michael Jordan jersey and Nikes, and I was wearing Payless, so you know I wasn't getting picked before him. Oh, God, don't let me be last. You know, I, and, and, and that's what I think of. Is that here's this story of, of, of Jesse with his boys. They're all lined up, and, and Samuel goes through them one by one. And gets to the end, and he's like, Jesse, do you got anybody else? And Jesse hadn't even brought all his boys into the living room because he's got, he's got his young son David out just tending for the sheep because Jesse can't see the greatness of God in the shepherd. I, I don't know why God spoke this so heavy to my heart, but I believe there's somebody in the room that you've never lived and walked in the peace and confidence of God because of the rejection you felt from a mom or dad. And you don't feel like God could ever do anything great in your life because you're still living in the shame of what somebody said about you. Let me tell you this. The plan of God in your life doesn't need man's approval. Can I say it again? The plan of God in your life doesn't need man's approval. You be who God called you to be. You walk in the boldness of confidence of his strength. I love 1 Samuel 16. He says, the Lord doesn't, he says this to Samuel, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God, don't let any person or place or situation in my life keep my heart from the things of you. God, let let me keep my heart soft towards your will and your way. Distractions, doubt, and I think the third one is this, is disobedience. Disobedience. Look at what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6. He says this. He says, don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. A man will always reap just the kind of crop he sows. If he sows to please his own wrong desires, he will be planting seeds of evil 
and he will surely reap a harvest of spiritual decay and death. But if he plants the good things of the Spirit, he will reap the everlasting life that the Holy Spirit gives him. And he says this in verse 9. He turns the corner and he says, And let us not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while we will reap a harvest of, everybody say it, a blessing. If we don't get discouraged and give up. I said it a few weeks ago. Don't quit in the dip, everybody. Just because it's not all working out the way you want it to work out this week doesn't mean that God isn't faithful in your life. Listen, just because you're not seeing what you're hoping for and and things aren't coming in the way you would hope they had come in doesn't mean that God isn't great and God isn't going to use you to do great things. It just means it might take a little longer than what you thought. But God's ways are higher than my ways. So God, I'm not gonna put my trust in the things of this life. I'm not gonna let my heart get all pouty and discouraged because it's not all working out, but I'm gonna continue to trust you. I'm gonna continue to lean on you and know that your way is is so much better than my way. Can somebody say amen? Amen. I'm not gonna follow my own desires, but I'm gonna follow your plan. So heart check this morning, heart check. Three things that I believe are so important when it comes to experiencing the blessing and the blessed life that God wants for us. Number one is this, is we gotta make a decision. I will guard my heart. I will guard my heart. Here's why. Because the wisest man in all the world said this in Proverbs 4. He said, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Here's the deal, everybody. The heart can only stay soft as long as it's flowing. Just, just the, with blessings, they, ha- they have to flow. That's the only way they work. The heart is the same way. It, it only works when it's flowing. But for some of us in the room, there's situations and circumstances and people that we've allowed to get in and stop the flow. What is it for you today? What's stopping the flow? Let me, let me talk to parents in the room because I believe this is one of, the, it's one of the greatest things that my parents did right in my life. Everybody, I grew up in a pastor's home. We, we, we refer to, 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 to kids that grow up in a pastor's home, PKs, all right, PKs, pastor's kids. And uh, I learned early on as a PK that PKs have a reputation, and it's not good. They're some of the most rebellious they, they find their way to worldly ways quicker than just about anybody else. And, and I know my parents didn't do everything. And I, and I think one of the reasons why that is because oftentimes they, they see some of the mess of ministry. They see some of the pain of their, their, their parents. They, they see the difficulty of teaching God's word and the challenge of trying to live God's word. And it gets, it gets messy in your mind. I'll be the first to, to, to admit it. Man, I'm just broken up here. I'm in need of, I'm teaching God's word, but I need God's word like you do this morning. We're, we're all on a journey together, and we're all dr- drawing close to Jesus, everybody. My parents' greater, greatest desire in my life is they would always say this, Wes, we don't care what you do, how you do it, or, or what, 
what great things you do in your life, we, we have one desire, is that your heart would always stay tender toward God. The reason why it's so fresh in my mind is because my mom said it to me last week. She said, you know, Wes, one of the things that has always been important to, 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 to me and your dad is that you and your brother Chris would always have it. We, we don't care that you're in ministry. We're glad, but, but we didn't want that. We just want your heart to be tender. You know what they did? They pastored my heart. They pastored my heart. Here's how they did it. They were quick to forgive. They reminded me oftentimes that they blew it frequently. And we would remind them every once in a while, you know. (laughs) They loved us unconditionally and still do. And they looked past our faults, and they, they loved us like, like Jesus does. They pastored our heart because they know, they know this. Regardless of what you do or where you're at, the circumstances, if you'll just keep your heart tender toward God, he can use you. I'm talking to somebody in the room today that your heart is calloused and cold and you're broken and you're just going through the motions. Man, let God come in and revive you and make it tender. Let him guard your heart from the things of this world and let him make it tender once again. And you'll experience the blessing and the favor of God in your life. Psalm 119, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Number two, I will let the Holy Spirit guide my heart. I will guard my heart, but then I'm going to let the Holy Spirit guide my heart. I'm not going to let me guide my heart. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do that work. Romans 8, one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible, Paul says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Come on, we say this so often, man, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart tell you, don't follow your heart. It it will jack you up, man. I mean, it'll mess you up. Oh, you're in love. You're 16. I'll just follow your heart. No, don't follow your heart. Come on. Make Make a wise decision. We say this so often. Choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead, feelings follow. We could say it every weekend. Choices lead, feelings follow. I'm not gonna let my heart control me. I'm gonna let the Holy Spirit control me. I'm not going to let just the, the winds drive me to the left and right in situations and circumstances. No, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead and convict me of sin. And when I blow it, I'm going to be quick to confess it. And when I feel God calling me to something great, I'm going to step out knowing that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. Man, if God says he can do it, he can do it in my life. Amen? Man, I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit. I'm going to guard my heart. Let the Holy Spirit guide my heart. And number three is this. I'm going to stay close to God's heart. I'm going to stay close to God's heart. And I'll just ask you today. I, I, know, you're, I know you're here this morning because you love God. I know you're, you're here today because you're leaning in and you know this is the right thing to do. 
This is the best way to start your week. Let me just ask you, where's your passion for the Lord today? Maybe one, you're just going through the motions and complacent. Or 10, it's just white hot. Like you woke up, you just couldn't wait to say hello to to Jesus. Where, Where are you at this morning? Listen. Your purpose and your life matters way too much to just go through the motions with God. God created you for fellowship and intimacy and designed you so that you'd wake up every morning knowing your your arms are, that his arms are wrapping around you, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he has a plan for your day, he has a plan for your life. And God wants us to be passionate about him, to be in love with him. But here's the deal. Passion for God requires intimacy. It it requires closeness. Here's what passion requires. It requires commitment, consistency, and endurance. It's, It's doing the right thing even when it doesn't, even when I don't feel like it. You know, here's the, here's the deal with, with, with Jen and me as I've, I've, I've figured this out is one of her greatest love languages is quality time. I'm an acts of service guy. So for me, I love to just spend time vacuuming the house and cleaning and organizing and, you know, it would just be fun. in love. You're looking cute doing it too, babe. But she would just rather be close. We go on a date night, man, it doesn't matter if we're taking a walk through the park or sitting at Starbucks, drinking a tea or eating at the nicest restaurant in Tampa. I figured out that for her, it's not where we're going or what we're doing. It's just that we're close. And in order to keep the love and the romance and things white hot, I got to keep throwing logs on the fire. I can't just expect it to, to burn bright and, 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 and her heart to, to just yearn and long for me if I'm not being intimate with her, spending time with her. Let me tell you this, God is the same way in our lives. Sometimes we want the blessings of God, but we don't wanna, we don't wanna spend time with him. He's saying this, blessed are the pure in heart. You wanna experience all that God has for it. Come spend time with me. Come get close to me. This is my life verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. We love that verse, don't we? We like to cherry pick that verse. Like just pull it right out of context and just take it and enjoy it. And yes, God, you've got a plan for my life. But actually, God speaks to a rebellious nation in this moment. And he says this, I do have a plan for you and I wanna bless you, but you gotta keep reading. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. 
You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What does God want from us today? Man, he loves it when we serve. He loves it when we give. He loves it when we honor him in every way on the outside. You know what God really wants today? He wants our hearts. I don't know about you, but today, one more time, I just want to come to him and surrender everything I have and say, God, my heart is yours. Forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me for my pride. God, today I yield everything I am to you. If you believe it this morning, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you just bow your head as we close?